Hey everybody, what's going on today? My name is JT and welcome to another rendition of The Human Door, powered by Yasagara. And I have with me, of course, as always, my lovely wife, Shayna. Good evening. <laughs> Man, there is nothing better than, than her entrance. It is just fantastic. And of course, the producer himself. Good, good to be here, as always, Jay. At the Cosmo. At Cosmo Nights. Nights. At Cosmo Nights. 3338 North North Illinois. Illinois. (laughs) Love that S. (laughs) Illinois. Absolutely. Good to be here, man. Governed by Mr. J.B. The producer. (laughs) (laughs) Extraordinaire. I was talking about Mr. J.B. Big J.B. Okay, my Hey, he's the producer, too. Hey, but there's another J.B. That's a J.B., too. So, you know, you got to let me know which J.B. you're talking about. Right. right, right. Okay. Welcome, you guys. All right. Once again, welcome to the show. We definitely appreciate everybody coming out today here at Cosmo Nights to listen to another rendition here of The Human Door. And we got a ton of guests out here tonight, and we are going to have some fun. We're going to talk about all kind of craziness. We're going to smoke some stuff and drink some stuff. We're going to have a ball. Yes. Yeah. What you guys think? You guys ready for this? Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, so normally what we do is like we're going to talk about where we're going to smoke and drink, and we're going to do that. But first, um, we're going to bring on our guest. Our first guest today uh, is going to be a Mr. Stephen Starks. Now, Mr. Starks currently is the vice, uh, pro- vice president of promotions uh, for the Penske team. And the, um, it's Roger Penske, correct? Yeah, but it's the it's the league IndyCar and the venue IMS. Uh, it's the venue IMS. Yeah, yeah. Okay, not, a, not his race team. Not his yeah. race team. Okay, yeah. but you still get your check from him though, right? Correct. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's all that matters is who who's signing the check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of changes have taken place within your organization, huh? Yeah, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks and, for having me. Let me just apologize in advance for. Uh, my voice not being as smooth or as elegant. Oh, oh man. Stop it. Not even cut it Stop out, it. man. I'm, I'm listening to you all introduce yourselves, and I'm thinking to myself, is this a late night show? I thought, I thought it was 630. Stop it. Well, I'm glad that you're able to, to make it on the show. Of course, we all know that the running of the um, Indianapolis 500 is going to take place this Sunday, correct? August 23rd. Correct? August 23rd. Kind of a big deal. That is fantastic. At first, no one thought, you know, due to COVID, that it was actually going to happen. Um, but I guess there was a change of heart. Uh, I, I, I understand at first they didn't want to do the race and, without fans, but I think now that's the way they're going with, without fans. Yeah, no doubt. I think, um, you know, I think Mr. Penske and his team just decided that it was, it was too important of an event to miss a year. Okay. And uh, it means too much to, uh, I think, the city of Indianapolis and uh, Speedway and, and the state of Indiana and, and the nation, to be honest with you, to, to skip a year. This is wow. the 104th running. And uh, we're excited about the opportunity, although obviously our president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Doug Bowles, would tell okay. you that he, he, he really wishes that there were fans, obviously, and we all oh, do. Yeah. Right. Um, but under the circumstances, I think the right decision was made, and I think uh, the fans are in for a treat if they tune into NBC. Oh, yeah. um, so we're excited and uh, ready to go. Absolutely. That sounds good. We're, we're having a race party. Yeah, oh. oh, yeah. And make sure you socially who, distance. Who's have, <laughs> exactly. Who's having a race party? 
a socially distanced and race no one, party. No one told me anything yes. about it. Yes, we did. <laughs> like, no one told me about the race party. I'm, I'm, I got to be in the cool kids, right? Yeah. I'm no, not, you're in there. Oh, you, I'm in, you, okay. Your wife already signed you up. She just didn't oh. tell you about it yet. Oh, that's fantastic. See, I, that's why I love her, because she signs me up for the parties. <laughs> I love it. Now, before we get into, uh, you know, more... Um, we're just going to go around the table real quick and let everybody know for all the cigar connoisseurs out there what we are doing and what we are smoking. And um, I'm going to start out to let everyone know I am currently smoking the new cigar that just came out by CAO. It's called Bones. Now, this cigar so far is just fantastic. Um, I, I had it the other day. There's no bones about it. No bones about it at all. <laughs> now, this particular cigar, this is, this is a trip, right? Um, inside the, um, the filler, it has two different tobaccos from Honduras in there. Also, Nicaraguan and Dominican also in the filler. Uh, the binder, which is fantastic. It's binded with a Connecticut shade. I've never heard of a cigar binded with a Connecticut shade wrap, so that's probably why it gives it that creaminess feel to it. And also in the wrapper, is a, um, it's a, it's a broadleaf, also from the United States. So um, the guy that blended this, his name is Rick Rodriguez out of CAO, and we're trying to get him on the podcast. So uh, I've been in touch with him, so... Uh, hopefully, when he's around um, the Indianapolis area, we can definitely get him on. Rick Rodriguez. Rick Rodriguez, the master blender. And um, I'm also pairing this with the 1884 uh, Uncle Nearest. I think I had that before, and, and I'm kind of like in love with this. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's nice. Uh, it has a nice smoothness to it. It's not as strong as the, um, the. I think the other one is like 100 proof or something like that. This is, a, is it the 56, 1856, I think? Yeah, that's yeah. A, uh, like an 86 and, or 87 yeah, proof. It's like in yeah, the, right, it's like in a black label, uh, but this one is fantastic, and I, and I love it. All right, Miss Shana? Um, I am smoking a diesel Diesel? Uh, unholy. 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 What by do, diesel. How, how do you like that? And it's a little spicy. <laughs> <laughs> spicy. It's a little spicy. But um, you're pairing I think it, that I'm able to hold my own. I'm pairing it with Peach Crown. Um, I think that I have stretched my palate um, quite a bit with this peach crown because I've paired it. Yeah, with a couple. <laughs> That's your yeah, she's, yeah, she's like me with this Uncle Nearest. It's like, yeah. <laughs> mm, I um, keep going when back you to When you like something, you like something. Absolutely. But it is most definitely not calming down the bite. Um, there is a bite in the unholy. Um, but I'm going to take it slow. That's yeah. the only way to do it. There you go. Yeah. Nice and slow. Henry Clay is what I'm oh, smoking over here. It's old called uh, called stalk the stalk cut. cut. Yes, and uh, I had one of these before, and this, so this is my second one. It had about a week or two to sit in the humidor. A little marination, a little marination going on. <laughs> so uh, I, I remember the first one that I that I that I smoked. I really enjoyed. So, okay, so I like it. I'm, I'm pairing it with Wee Mac Sun King local oh, Wee Mac. That's uh, a local. Local, we're, all right. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be working on getting some relationships with. Yeah, Sun King. we definitely got to get Sun King on board too. We need to do some pairing with Sun yeah. King beers, or or just drink the beer. Like <laughs> I, we don't even have to pair it. I don't even care at this moment. <laughs> pairing would be a bonus, right? Yeah, that's a bonus, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Stephen? What what 
what you got going on, Steven? You actually have a new, newer cigar, but what were you smoking on? Yeah, let's uh, go back to where I started. I hate Rewind. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on number two. Uh, I showed up a little early. Okay. And, uh, I was on the uh, Hirochi Rabanya. Uh, 1845 oh, the blue that's uh my favorite to be honest with you uh i recommend to learn a little bit about it you should check out the prince of smoke mm-hmm. documentary okay. it's about the, the the cuban cigar tobacco farmer who's following in the footsteps of his uh legendary grandfather who started the company wow. and, uh, they they produce a really nice product and i've tried a lot of the different uh, iterations they have but i prefer the blue for now and that's what i had today and i matched that with an old forest in 1920 uh, right now, I'm drinking a Heineken because I wanted to remain coherent for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I good luck smart with that. man. I figured you, smart wouldn't, man. you wouldn't invite me back if I, if I wasn't in good conditions. No. Actually, no. If you stood up and started dancing on the table or something, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. might. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he got to come back. He's a regular. <laughs> <laughs> that will never happen. So, so uh, this is uh, right now, Josh just gave me the uh, AJ Fernandez, which is a little bit more mild, yeah. uh, but it's really nice. I've never had it before, but uh, I'm just into it. So let me let yeah. it uh, yeah. breathe it, a little it, bit. It, it is Mild. It's got a little. It's got a little spice to it, though, that I felt it about halfway through. See if you see if you feel the same. Thing. And, and you said it's AJ Fernandez, correct? AJ Fernandez. Now the name of that is is L L A V E. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's that? What's the first part of that say? Legrand. 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 Okay. L L A V E. So. All right. Well, you know, I'm I'm very familiar with a lot of AJ Fernandez cigars, and so far everything that he's touched uh, has been great. I mean, he is fantastic. Uh, he's probably one of the top cigar uh, makers in the world where, where other individuals use him as col- uh, collaborations. So um, I'm sure what you're smoking is fantastic. It feels good. Yeah. Check back with me. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right, so so let's let's go back to, um, to, to Penske working for them. How did you end up getting into uh, working for uh, this individual? Um, well, as you know, uh, Roger Penske purchased Indianapolis Motor Speedway, IndyCar, which is the league, and uh, IMS Productions, which is a television production company um, that produces the IndyCar races and, and many other sports properties um, back in January. And so that was a big day. Obviously, he's a legend in his own right. Oh, you know, very much so. 18 uh, Indianapolis 500-mile races. So he, Unreal. he knows what he's doing around the place, and uh, he said it was his dream to own it, and it's a legacy play for him. And uh, I'm very excited for him, and it's been great in the – um, almost eight months that he's that he's owned the place, but uh, I came to the company as a lawyer. Uh, I was deputy general counsel of the parent company before mm-hmm. now Penske Entertainment, and before it was called Hallman and Company. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that that sits over all the properties I just mentioned. For two years, I sat in the legal department and worked on all kinds of contracts and deals for those properties. And uh, and then about two years into my tenure in 2016, I was promoted to the business side for IndyCar. Okay. Um, and uh, my job at IndyCar is to develop the schedule, which may, means I'm the chief deal maker between IndyCar and all the tracks we race. So I make the deals um, between the tracks and IndyCar. And then once they're on the schedule, I manage the business relationship. And then I do the same thing on the other side of the house with the media rights. So uh, me and the CEO, uh, Mark Miles, negotiated our NBC deal. And then I do the same thing. Uh, negotiating the deals directly with all of our international broadcast partners. We can be found in about 100 countries worldwide outside of the U.S. Wow. Um, that carry IndyCar content. So wow. we make those deals directly starting in 19. So um, I've got two 
big sides of the house for IndyCar, and it's been a great journey. But to answer your question, I came as a lawyer. Okay. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask you uh, in the very beginning, that were you always interested in that field, or it just something that kind of grew on you from doing uh, other professions? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I did not grow up a diehard race fan, so it was not, you know, it wasn't my dream to work in racing. It just kind of happened organically. Um, I've spent most of my career as a sports lawyer. Um, I've represented, you know, teams, players, um, leagues. Uh, I used to be the lawyer for the United States Anti-Doping Agency in Colorado Springs where I prosecuted the Olympic drug cases. Oh, um, so, wow. So I've kind of had a, a plethora of, uh, of some stories there, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And I'm sure you can't say any names because I was going to like, okay, now who? We're going to get some dirt. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, I mean, look, you, all you got to do is go back. I was the lawyer from, from 2008 to the end of 11. And you can see on the, you know, USADA website, it's public once an athlete's sanctioned yeah. and they, they get a suspension from sport or a medal stripped. Um, it's, a, it's a public decision or an announcement. So it's no secret once the case is done. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, was a, it was a tough job. It was, it, was, it was great. But then I decided that I wanted to kind of expand into more the traditional sports and entertainment. So I started representing musicians. Uh, I was an NFL agent for a while. I oh, had, yeah? Who, a, who, who was your client? So I had, I had in, in 2012, uh, or maybe 13 was the draft, actually. I started representing them in, in 12, but I had a six-round draft pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm -hmm. running back out of the University of Miami named Mike James. Mike James. Um, I represented him. Uh, I had a wide receiver. Um, that I, we converted to wide receiver from quarterback. He played quarterback at Alabama State University, wow. a guy named Greg Jenkins. And he had a nice run with the Raiders and the, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Uh, hell of a talent. And, um, and then I also represented a lineman uh, on the University of Miami that, that signed three different contracts with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So wow. I did that for about four or five years and then just decided that um, it, it's a lot of work. It, yeah. It's a volume business unless you have, you know, first rounders. So right. I left that field and, and decided and to go. From what I understand, you know yeah. more, way more than I do on that front. But I think uh, agents on the, at the NFL level are capped off at either 3 or 4%. It's 3%. It's 3%. 3%. Now, and what they started to do, what was funny, is forever it was 3%. And then it, it's an interesting thing, right? So agents are regulated by the same body that regulates the players, the NFLPA. Okay. I didn't so you know get that. you get certified from the NFLPA and you do your annual research from the NFLPA, which is an interesting dynamic. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's interesting to be regulated by the same body that regu regulates the players, yeah. right? Because you can imagine that all of the new regulations don't benefit agents, right? Right? Because right? Right. they protect the players, which is first and foremost. And right. so, you know, many years ago, you could only see the you know, 3% commission, which was standard for agents. Uh -huh. But then the, the standard representation agreement that you have to use to sign players, they started adding lines that said 2% and 1%. Oh, wow. So here I am negotiating with a player, and he's got an option. And which one do you think he's going to pick <laughs> right. when it comes down to Come on right. now. Right. Come so, on. Exactly. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing. But I had a lot of fun as an agent. And, uh, you know, but I, I decided I wanted to go back into representing companies and, and leagues, and that's oh. kind of how I transitioned over to So Okay. How from, are you familiar with that world at all? I'm becoming you know a little what? bit. A, a little bit. Um, I, I do know at some point in time they were trying to uh, pass a particular law where sports agents had had to have a law degree um, uh, before they're able to uh, to have clients. I don't know if that's something that that's still on the table now. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've been an agent, but I can tell you when I was there, the the NFLPA rule was you had to either be a lawyer 
or you had to demonstrate significant experience and capacity in negotiating deals like the ones you would be negotiating for NFL clients. And so, as I understand it, I didn't have to go through that because I was a lawyer, uh-huh. but that's a pretty tough bar. So, yeah, so, it is. So outside sponsorships are twenty per, up to 20%, correct? I don't so, remember if there's a cap at all for outside okay, sponsorships. Gotcha. Uh, uh, but again, most of my negotiations were, you know, lower end deals right. for yeah. those type of players and so it was we were able to work it out yeah. okay show me the money i hear you <laughs> show me the money <laughs> all right so do you get a chance to like enjoy some of the races or you're just basically behind the scenes and 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 uh, uh doing the deals and not actually getting the opportunity to enjoy the product so for the past four years since i've been in this business role as vp i've been to Every race. I think I've missed, you know, four races in four years. So I go to every race. And what's interesting, most people don't know this, but at least local people that don't follow IndyCar, they think of the Indianapolis 500-mile race, which is definitely our Super Bowl. Right. But we have a 17-race schedule that starts usually under non-COVID circumstances. It starts in in the middle of March in St. Petersburg, street race in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it ends the third week in September in Monterey, California. So... We've got about a third, a third, and a third between street races, road courses, mm-hmm. and ovals. And so I think that people that don't follow IndyCar just think of the 500. But right. I go to every race. A lot right. More than that. And that, that's funny that you mentioned that because I know NASCAR is almost about the same way. It's like they, they call the Daytona 500 their Super Bowl of, of auto racing. And that's like their first race of the season. Yeah, they're just different, right? I mean, I, I don't think there's any right way to do it. But for us, it feels right to get into the year a little bit, let the – and obviously, this isn't like a strategy. This is how it's always been. I right. mean, Memorial Day weekend forever now has been uh, the home to the Indianapolis 500. But I like about where the 500 sits on our schedule compared to your biggest event being the first race of the season. It just feels a little bit more thorough. Now, if it wasn't for COVID, um, what would the uh, the amount of fans be? I mean, how, how many people actually packed Indianapolis Motor Speedway? It depends on, on, on what you mean. If you're asking true capacity, I mean, you could, you could never answer that question because you could fit, you know, a million people if you wanted to in the grandstands. I can tell you, I can tell you that in 2016, the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race, it was the first time and only time we've actually declared a sellout. And that was more a function of services. I was there. Right? You were there. So was, yeah, you can imagine that at, at some point you get to the point where you're concerned about running out of beer, hot dogs, and toilet paper. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. No, it's not a good and problem. And so, you know, that's, no. that's, that's, that's 350,000 people you, on race day. Right. Could you year. imagine the pickets and the signs? Look, y'all out of hot dogs? Come on, man. How are you going to be out of hot dogs? <laughs> yeah. That would be bad. That would be bad. <laughs> well, you know, um, before we had the show, uh, we were talking a little bit, you know, off off air. And I, I mentioned to you, uh, there was a documentary that I watched the other day. It was on Netflix. It was called Uppity. Uh, it was a documentary about Willie T. Ribs, uh, who was the first um, African-American that was uh, that was qualified for the Indianapolis 500. Um, it was one of the best sports documentary that I've seen in quite some time. Um, and it addressed like a lot of uh, racial issues and things like that, um, that a lot of us had to deal with um, in the racing arena. Um, and he continued uh, to move forward and not let the, uh, the noise bother him. Um, now, with you working in this particular area, do you feel like any type of um, uh, issues with not enough diversity in, in auto racing? 
Of course. I mean, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be genuine to sit up here and tell you um, that it's not um, challenging to work in motorsports and, and, and to walk around those races and to work every day in the sport and to look around and not see too many people that look like uh, myself, especially at my level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, uh, but, but that's something you, you get used to. And um, I think that, you know, it's my job to, as long as I'm here, continue to push to try to in, increase the participation, both at an executive and a participant level. I got okay. a I got a race car driver, uh, Christian Lacio. We need mm-hmm. we just need to get him a bunch of sponsorships. Oh, man. most definitely. Because <laughs> what, what my next question was: uh, Is there any way um, that that particular what? Uh, how would you say it? Uh, that Formula One Motorsports motor are they doing anything uh, to bring more African Americans aware of what they do, or is that something that okay? Here is our product, and if you're interested, you're interested. I think I think when it comes to African American participation, you know, I think uh, some of the economic barriers are the ones that generally keep us um, from having the same opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I'm 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 hopeful, right? Although, you know, a lot has to be done before I have full confidence that we'll accomplish some of the things in the sport that need to be accomplished. But I'm hopeful um, that as 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 Black folks in particular, but minorities of all types. Um, have done over years, once the opportunity is presented, um, they show that they can perform at a very high level and, and end up dominating. So Absolutely. I think that as, as soon as the, the chance is, is, is presented, and I hope it's done so soon in a very meaningful way, I think you'll see some success fairly quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note too, though, because because there's such a long learning curve, most of the, the, uh, the race car drivers, the athletes that are, they've been racing since they were very young. Mm-hmm. So, so being in Growing up into a, an environment where and where someone gets the opportunity to race a sport, a very expensive, right, expensive sport. Right? Oh, I'm sure. And and so so I think, but as far as talent goes, there's there's still that factor I think of of how long it takes. Well, listen, I mean, you know, I not to. Not to be combative, but I no, I no just please don't, do because I, I would rather. I just yeah, don't. That's think what you the can, humidor is for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be combative. I, yeah. I just don't think you can let sports leagues off the hook Mm-mm. by saying that that's the natural challenge or barrier that are presented. Right. I mean, you know, you know, if we sit rewind twenty years ago, you know, golf didn't have mm-hmm. you know African American or minority participation more. to the level it does today, and then and then look what happened in that sport, right? We, yeah. And then the same thing with with tennis. Yeah. And, and look what happened in that sport. So I, I think it's up to the leagues in part to reach down. Mm-hmm. So we're into, wanting to make sure there's pressure where yeah, it's you, needed. You, ha- you have yeah. to. And, gotcha. and honestly, and, and honestly, I can say, you know, the, the good leagues, and, and, and I'm hopeful we're becoming one even better on this front, the, the good leagues understand the, the significance of that. Look, yeah. it's about fan support and about spectators. And if you want to have the most robust people watching your sport, then yeah. they better have somebody to root for that looks like them. Uh, and so, so I, I think it's I think it's important absolutely. both because it's just important at a community level, but I think it's also important as good business. Yeah. And so, so I think on all levels it's imperative, and I think that all of us that are in positions to make it so need to work tirelessly to do what they can to contribute to that effort. I love it. Yeah, so do I. That is that's fantastic. Um, I know uh, I had a friend of mine that uh, lived in uh, Pittsburgh. And there's really not too many racetracks in, in that area. But what he did was uh, he got together uh, with some youth and he introduced them into, into auto racing. 
and they were they would watch like certain races and things like that and he would take them out on trips to uh to like the smaller races uh to get more african-american children involved in the motorsports and not necessarily just driving also giving them the skill on how to uh, to repair you know automobiles as well and uh, and i thought that was it was very unique and instead of, you know, like your normal YMCA or, or your boys club or your AU basketball or whatever, you know, I, I just thought that was pretty interesting, you know, that he used that, right. you know, as a way to, to get children um, together. Uh, and I thought that was a, a pretty good deal. Do you see anything like that? Of course I do. I yeah. mean, you know, Rod Reed and Next Generations, it's a it's a go-karting program where he's taking black kids from the inner city and bringing them and they're they're getting opportunities to get exposed young like look pat mahomes didn't wake up and he wasn't just able to throw a football like that one day he started when he was a baby oh yeah i, I played i played basketball my whole life and that was something that my dad introduced me to when i was very very young and it became the way i thought like yeah. it's just what i wanted to do it's no different in motorsports you, you just have to start them young mm-hmm. let them know that there are those opportunities if they're interested and then develop them at a very young age yeah. you know today in any sport by the time you're a teenager it's too late right. and so i think that the, the the key is the younger the better yeah. and obviously you just gotta we, we've got to increase those those avenues and those programs that make it opportunity for kids like us okay now do you have any like personal relationship with any of the racers so i know them all you know right? them all personally yeah, yeah i know them all i mean okay. I, it, personally is is a little strong right right i see them all every weekend during the mm-hmm. race season and you know, we've, we've, we've developed some, some you know, relationships in okay. the sense that they know who I am, I know who they are, and they know that I'm the guy to come to with questions about the schedule and what it's going to look like for the future years and the same thing on, on the television, right? So, right. Yeah. So, but, I mean, we're not friends, but, right. but for sure. One of the things about IndyCar that I have to say is our sport's just so accessible. Mm-hmm. You can come to the 500 or any race on the schedule, and if you want to go up to a driver, you can really go and see Marco Andretti or you can really yeah. go see whoever, uh-huh. um, and you get the action. So I love that about our sport. So, okay. but I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're friends and we're not hanging out. <laughs> well, here here's the, now the reason why I asked that question. It, it was almost like a two part thing. Now, the the reason why I asked you that because I wanted to figure out if you knew what what is it inside of them where they can take a car and drive around the track at over two hundred and forty something miles an hour, where I can get on the on four sixty five and I can do seventy five and I'm sweating. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, what is it a, about you know a race car driver that can like take that top speed, speed. where there's like thirty three other cars like right up on you? I mean, you got to be shrunk up like this. <laughs> but, look, but all I can say, obviously, you're asking the wrong man. Right? Because I, because I, you know, once once we get to seventy or eighty, I'm out. Right? I'm like, whoa! I, 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 I've driven that that the circuit at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I, I can't imagine doing that at triple the speed that I'm willing to go. All I can say is they they truly are a different breed. Oh, yeah. oh they and, gotta uh, be. And and I can I can just tell you that they're 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 they're, they're competing for something more than just winning races. I think it really is their existence and the way that they're built. And like I always say, people laugh every time, but you don't play racing. No. Right? It's not a game, right? So, Like, how do you train for that? I think it's probably more mental, if anything, would would you say? There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. Because that's insane. That's insane. Did you guys? Did you guys watch Ford versus Ferrari? Yeah, I did yeah. not, but I want to watch that. It's, it's, it's a good one. Did you? I saw it at the theater. Yeah, I saw it on, on whatever the 
it, it was voodoo. I think it was. But. Yeah, yeah, and incredible. You get a chance, watch it. Okay, that's phenomenal. that's going to be on my list. You that's, see it. It's good. Now we're running out of little time. But I want to ask you this last question. Uh oh, this is the doozy. Yes, yeah, this, this is the doozy. doozy. Yep. This, this is a doozy. Who's gonna win Sunday? Oh man, like, are you serious right now? <laughs> no, no. Look, look. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Who do you got? I Who's think, gonna win? I think the question is ridiculous. I work for Roger Penske. And he's got, and he's got, you want to get, you want to get the man drivers, fired? He's got drivers in the race. Exactly. You know, it was, it was crazy to see that, that there was no Penske driver qualifying in the fast exactly. nine. Exactly in the but, fast nine, and that's exactly why. Because, yeah. because I'm listening to the, hold, you know, hold the radio. Hold him to the fire, John. Right. Hold him right. to the fire. Exactly. So, so I'm. I'm driving home and I'm listening to this 107.5. I listen to it every day, and they gave the numbers that uh, the you know who was in the top the fast nine, right? And I didn't hear any Penske drivers. Listen, I'll, I'll answer it this way, and I mean it. Um, you know, the Andretti team looked strong oh, the yeah. whole weekend, and, and what Marco did to to win the pole was phenomenal. Um, so obviously, if if you're a betting man, and we don't bet, but if you're a betting man, um, you know that that's good money. But I can also tell you that there's not a race that starts in the IndyCar circuit that I don't have to give a careful consideration to Scott Dixon. All right. Uh, he's just, I mean, so so that's my he's answer. Mean. Okay. He's mean. All right, man. We're going to let you off the hook with that. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted to ask if there was any type of schooling. Is there any type of um, driving school that would prepare you for um, being able to participate? Unless I'm blank, well, it, it, it depends on what you mean by participation. If you mean as a driver, I, I think the answer to that is probably no. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you mean as, you know, a crew or engineer, or I think a lot of people just have those traditional working paths, right? They go get, you know, a degree or they have experience in those fields as a mechanic, and then it just evolves into um, a, a really good weekend hustle that might then evolve into a career. Um, but, you know, again, you're, you're asking a kid who played basketball his life and grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and only watched the 500 and don't, didn't know anything right. about IndyCar until about eight years ago. So um, I'm sure we could look into it, but not that I know of, and that's, that's all I know. Okay. All right. That was fantastic. You know what? Thanks uh, for being on the show, man. No, I really, I really appreciate it. I gotta, and I, I, I definitely chuckles. can't wait. <laughs> right? yeah. I definitely can't wait to, to watch the race uh, this Sunday. Um, and and I know I'm going to be honest. That race is long, man. Yeah, so I'll probably race. watch maybe like the first few laps, take a nap, <laughs> try well, to you, get you, up with the last yeah, 10. You're not a true Hoosier, so I totally hey, understand that. Hey. I mean, that's what happens in, you know, when you're from that, – uh, That's not <laughs> – that's not true, but I think it, I, I think I would have a better experience watching the race there in in person, no, no and I think that. that's basically you know how that is. Uh, nothing truth, like it. Truth of the matter, I'm gonna be doing the same. You're gonna thing be doing the same thing. Yeah. All Except right, not a nap though. <laughs> not a nap. I'm not that old. Come All on. All right. Once again, everybody, um, I want to st- uh, thank Mr. Steven Starks for coming. Um, thank you, Steven. Thanks, we really enjoyed uh, his presence, and uh, man, you're doing good things uh, for Penske. And so um, if he was listening, I'm going to tell him, you know, bump up that check a little bit. <laughs> I'll just tell him to listen. You tell him to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jack guys. Mark. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thank once again. All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, listening to The Human Door, powered by Yasagara. Once again, we're here at Cosmo Nights, 3338 North Illinois. And we also Illinois. and we are also brought to you by the Amplify Network. Network. All right. Okay, everybody, you know what we do? Before we go, we got to put some smoke in the air. 